Uh, last year was our 70th year, and we shared a lot of the history, a lot of the backdrop to our church. And of course, uh, you know, when I think about a church being 70, now 71 years old, uh, that's a blessing. Uh, there's a lot of churches that are closing their doors. Uh, there's churches, especially with this past year, that are merging with other churches. A lot of churches are, are getting away from doing uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a midweek service. And I'm glad we're able to just continue. And a lot of it has to do with your faithfulness to God and just trusting the Lord. And, of course, we're praying that more of our folks that have not been able to come, that some more would come back. And I know there have been quite a few that have already had the vaccine. Of course, I know that it's still making its way out, but until that happens, we may not see a few folks come back. And we certainly understand that. We love everyone. We, we want them to feel comfortable. But when I think about our anniversary uh, this morning, I mentioned some of the reasons for having an anniversary. And I wanted to remind you of those three reasons that I gave this morning, why I have a vision Sunday. And the first one was to thank God for his faithfulness Certainly, we, we've already talked about, and we'll highlight some of that tonight. The second one that I mentioned this morning was for us just to stay focused on what God's called us to do. And of course, when we look at the direction that we are taking, it's from the Word of God. God's given us what the Bible call, we call the Great Commission, uh, to go into all the world with the gospel. And that do, doesn't just mean missions, that also means right here in our, our Jerusalem, which is this present area. And then the Bible says, uh, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. And we want to make sure that we're reaching all that we can. And so, uh, again, a great reason for today and even tonight is to focus on what God's called us to do. And then also to share some of the direction that God would have for us. And we'll look at some of that tonight. But the big thing we're going to talk about this evening is we're going to talk about this matter of God's faithfulness to us over this past 70 years and as you study the Word of God, what you often will see is God reminding His people to tell the next generation or other generations of His wonderful works. And I love to talk about all the things. Listen, although God has done many things in the past, how many of you believe God is still at work, right? And, uh, and it's great to look back and to see all the ways that God has worked, but I'm looking forward to what God's going to do and I believe the best days are still ahead of us. But when I look in the Bible, Psalm 145 and verse 3 and 4, the Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His uh, greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Psalm 40 and verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I mean, the psalmist is saying, I can't even start, and I probably wouldn't do justice if I started talking about all the ways that God has been good and how God has worked. And I love that, all the thoughts that he's had to us word. He says, I can't even reckon them all up in, in order. And you know, we, we encourage people sometimes, to keep a praise book or to keep someplace, and maybe that's something you might want to do this year, just something to remember the blessings of God, the answered prayers, the way God has worked. Psalm 26 and verse 7, the, the psalmist says, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wonderful works. And that's what we need to do, is just everywhere we go, tell people about how good God has been. Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, and make known his deeds among the people. And I hope that our church, not only this year, but as long as God gives us, that our church will preserve the memory of how God has worked. And not only has worked, but God will continue to work. And we look forward to that. We'll share some more as the evening goes on. Brother Kenny, why don't you come and, uh, and we'll, we'll sing our theme song again, all right? Thirty-four, and I hope that you love the Psalms. And I'll tell you, it's if if you're ever looking for a place as a as a Christian to live, live in the Psalms. 
It's a tremendous place to be, and, and to, you know, now the Proverbs is a great book, the book of wisdom, but uh, there's so many things, so many experiences, and we're going to take a look at one of those here tonight that is really, our, our theme was born out of this psalm, and so as we go back to Psalm 34 tonight, let's take a look at how the Lord worked in David's life. Aren't you glad that, that the Bible gives us so many great examples and people's lives that we can go back, we can look at how God worked in their lives and say, God, I want you to do that for me. And that's what we're going to see in David's life tonight. Now, this particular psalm is one of the psalms of David. And uh, like some of the psalms, not all of them, this one actually has an explanation that is written at the beginning of that psalm. You could see it there in your Bible or up on the screen, but I want you to notice the Bible says a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Verse number one, the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. They looked on him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me out of all his troubles. And the Bible says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, I want you to look at that eighth verse there. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman that trusteth in him. All right? Let's do a little, let's have a little fun tonight. All right? Let's try something. I'll say something and you repeat it. All right? One of my grandsons, my twin grandsons, one of them is real good at this. He's at that parrot stage. The other one will not repeat anything. But I want you to repeat what I say tonight, all right? Here we go. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I want you to keep that thought tonight because that will help you to understand a little bit of what was going on in David's mind and was going on in David's heart. And when you struggle in your life, may you find solace in this particular psalm that God allowed David to write. When I look at this psalm, eight verses we just read. In eight verses, we see the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, used seven times. The word Lord, when you see it like that, is actually the Hebrew word for Jehovah, the supreme being, Jehovah God. David writing this psalm, the Bible says, again with this explanation, this superscription, David is writing this when the Philistines had seized him when he was in Gath. David's writing here, and you might recall, remember the story how, we won't go back and look about how uh, David comes on the scene and the entire army of Israel is frozen. And there's one giant of a man that is blaspheming his God. You might recall that David, by the power of God, goes down and grabs five stones, but he only needed one. And David killed the giant. David killed the champion of these very people that he finds himself there with. Now, that triumph in David's life actually brought trouble. David realized this in time. Saul, of course, being the king at this time, Saul was a man that was very insecure, and he became very resentful of David. You know, 
David has slain his thousands, you know, or ten thousands, and Saul has slain his thousands. Everybody's looking at David. Nobody's paying attention to Saul, and Saul decides that he is going to try to end the life of this one that's troubling him. And the Bible records how he tried to kill David on a couple of occasions with a javelin. You know, with friends like that, who needs enemies, right? The Bible tells us that David escaped out of those situations. I really believe God was helping him. But when you come on Psalm 34, what you find is is that David's faith was failing. We just recently heard a message about Peter. I don't know about you, but there were times this past year, I wish I could say I had great faith in God, but there were times my faith failed. All of us go through times like David is going through here, and, and David is, is concerned, he's worried for his life, so what does he do? He decides that he's going to go where Saul cannot reach him, beyond the long arm and the power of Saul's, uh, uh, Saul's uh, kingdom, and so what does he do? He decides to go to Gath. Now, Gath was the home of the Philistines. The Philistines were not friendly to the people of God. David, uh, oddly enough, he puts himself under the protection of Abimelech, who is the king of Gath at this particular time. And soon, as David is there among them, the Philistines become aware of who David is. Now, you couldn't hide it. I mean, they didn't have the technology that we have today. But I mean, their word was out about David. Many people knew who David was and what David had done. And David is in there among those in Gath, and they learn who he was. And so David begins to fear for his life. He begins to think about how that maybe he will be betrayed, and then maybe he will be turned over to Saul, which is the whole reason why he went to Gath. So what does David do? Kind of a strange scenario. He pretends that he is mad crazy. You know, he just starts foaming at the mouth and doing things that are just not normal for, well, I've seen sometimes when Miss Becky's hungry, she kind of acts this way. (laughs) But he starts acting like a crazy man. And, And of course, everybody is seeing and even Abimelech is seeing what he's doing as he's pretending here, and what David thought to himself is, if I act this way, maybe they'll have pity on me. Or if I act this way, maybe they th- they'll think I'm harmless, but, the, but the, just the opposite happened. Abimelech thought, that, and he was convinced that David was crazy, and so according to the word of God, what did he do? He threw David out of the land, threw him out of Gath. So David leaves. Here he is, wandering around, and I believe with all my heart that God helped David safely to get to where he found himself as he was thinking about all that had been going on in his life, and that was the cave of Adullam. David finds himself there, and he begins to think about what had happened in his life, what's been going on. When you look at this psalm, and you can read all of it for yourself, all the verses that are here, all 22 of them, we won't look at all of them tonight, but again, the superscription, the, the, the explanation that's at the beginning of it, if you look in the psalm, there is no reference in the psalm about David changing his behavior, because that wasn't the focus. See, when I look in this psalm, I don't see that. I don't see David celebrating that that spirit that he had, that craziness that he had. What was David celebrating? He was celebrating the goodness of God in his life and how God had delivered him. The Lord saved me and he delivered me. And so here in verse number eight, what does he invite us to do? He invites us, listen to me, All that David had been through, and we'll talk about some of it here this evening, but there's so much more. He's inviting us, just like he had. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, happy is the man that trusteth 
in him. David says, I can testify of that. And when I think of those words, how David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. These two words, tasting. Tasting is a word that involves testing and sampling. Are you one of those people that goes to Sam's and Costco and samples everything? My father-in-law, he goes there for a whole meal. I mean, he'll go get this, and then he'll go get this, and he'll say, wait a minute, I didn't get, I need to get some chips, and then he, by the time he's done, he's had a, he's had a full-blown meal. What's he doing? He's sampling. God says, look, I want you to sample. I want you to see how good I am. And not only do I want you to sample, he says, but I want you to see. Now, seeing involves understanding. It, all, it involves perceiving. This year, God says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. No matter what's happening in your life, to taste and see means to try the Lord and experience what God has for us. I'm going to tell you something. What a great challenge for us this year as we think about magnifying the Lord. I want to taste, I want to sample, I want to test and see how good God is. Look, I've already known like David in his life, but I want to see in this new year and I want to see it. I want to understand what God has. And David is urging God's people to discover the goodness of God. And he does that how? By his own personal trials and his own personal deliverance from his enemies. And he's given us this testimony tonight. I love what Matthew Henry said. Let God's goodness be rolled under the tongue as a sweet morsel. I mean, just keep it there. I'll tell you, God's goodness is way better than any piece of chocolate. Think about it. Peter says it this way. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, just like Peter, David here in Psalm 34, David wants us, you and I, to experience what God has done in his life, what he has. And David says, look, I want you to know what I know. I want you to see how good God really is. And I love the, the, the spirit of what God allowed David to write here about how good God is. So notice a couple things about this psalm and about David's life. And may we take it this year as we magnify the Lord. Notice what David realized when he looked back over his life. He realized two great truths. One of them was that God protects his children. I love to see. Look, we're living in strange times where a lot of parents, they, they don't watch out for their kids. Matter of fact, they just assume their kids go get lost. When I grew up, when I was a kid, listen, my mom and dad, they knew where I was at. They protected me. And I'm going to tell you this, if you're a child of God, God loves you and he will protect you. And that's what David is saying here. Psalm 91, verse 11, look at it. He, the Bible says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. You ever heard of guardian angels? God says, look, I'm going to give you angels that will keep you in all your ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Hebrews 1, verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation? You ever seen God's protection in your life? How God's taken care of you? A lot of times we don't realize. But God is there. God is working. David says, look, I know that Jehovah God has been protecting me. The Bible says in Exodus 23, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. God's watching over us. God protect. David knew this truth, but notice also he knew that God provides for his children. Paul, when I look over this last year, I know a lot of people did without. But I'll tell you what, when I look at God's people, God provided for them. God has sustained us. We're still here. I'm not going to ask you tonight, you know, how many meals you went without and how much weight you lost, but listen, I'll tell you what, God has provided for us. And the Bible says here in verse number 8, 
oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. David personally experienced the goodness of God, and he was addressing others here. He says, look, I want you to experience what I experienced, what I tasted. David had been thrown out of gas, sure, and he had been thrown out really into the wilderness, and he found himself facing the unknown. He had no food, no water, but God saw him safely to Adullam. God provided for him. But look at verse number 10 here in this psalm. The Bible says in verse number 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God provides. Jehovah Jireh, you know. And you think about how God wants to provide for us. David could hear, maybe while he was in the cave of Adullam, he could hear these young lions that were relying on the older lions, you know, to take care of them, to bring them food and and to provide for them. And David could hear that. But you know what David thought about? Again, in verse number 10, he thought about this, that they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. God is able to supply our every need. How how foolish are we to act like God can't provide for us when God owns it all. God wants to take care of you this year. I love how the Bible says in Psalm 78, look at this, verse 19. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And God's people would answer what to that? He sure can, can he not? God can furnish a table. Matter of fact, in that same psalm, look at verse 23. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat, look at this, angels' food. My mom used to make an angel's food cake. But this doesn't say an angel food cake. It says angels' food food, he sent them meat to the full. You see, God provided. David knew these truths, how God protects his children, and he realized how God provides for his children. And David realized some things after he had gone through some of the things that he had gone through. But notice also, not only did he resolve some things, but he remembered some things. David remembered in his life Some things that God had done. Look what the Bible says in verse number four as we back up. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me. And boy, you talk about last year. Look at those last three words. From what? All my, say it, all my fears. All my phobias. Now, I do agree with Dr. Gatch. I I am not fond of snakes. But I'll tell you this, God will help us. David's saying here, he says, I sought the Lord. Do you know God wants to be found? God's waiting to hear from his children. David says, I experienced this. He said, I reached out to the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard me. The Lord delivered David from all the things that David dreaded all that he was experiencing. David remembered the danger that he was in. David remembered how he was feeling at this particular time. He began to recall to his mind the trials that he had been through, but he also remembered the deliverance that he received from God from the danger. David thought about maybe back in 1 Samuel 17 where the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. I've shared this story before. It's a true story. We were out in California. My wife and I, we love to hike and a beautiful country, you know, and uh, we were excited about coming here to Florida. The one thing that I guess we struggle with is Florida's flat. There's no mountains to hike, but we were out one day and it was just enjoying nature, God's creation. It was late in the afternoon and we came, we came as we went out about a mile and a half on a trail, I heard some noise. I looked up and there was a huge mountain lion. It wasn't behind a cage. It wasn't behind bars. My first thought was, now, Lord, how did David do that? (laughs) And I'm convinced God protected us. I remember how 
walking out of there, my heart was pounding out of my chest. And I remember thinking, okay, now, if this animal comes after us, I got to get between it and my wife. Now, the truth was, she probably could have handled it, and I could have just stood there and watched. But David's, David's thinking, wait a minute now. He says, I've been through some stuff. So I remember when a, when a lion came. I remember when I was tending to the sheep and a bear tried to come. He says, God help me. I mean, I, I bet you David probably thought, I don't know how I did that. Well, wait a minute, yeah, I do know God. David was remembering how God had worked in his life. 1 Samuel 17, 51, David ran in this story I mentioned earlier. He stood upon the Philistine, that one that had the big mouth. And after the stone had hit it in the forehead, David took this massive sword from this great soldier of a man. He drew it out of the sheet thereof, and he slew him, cut off his head. Wow. Nobody would match this giant of a man, but David remembered how God had delivered him. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, Saul cast the javelin and said, I will smite David even to the wall with it, and David avoided out of his presence twice. God delivered him. David also recalled the goodness of God in his life, and the Bible says that he began to think, maybe while he was there in the cave of Adullam, about his good friend Jonathan. Praise the Lord for good Christian friends. Brotherly love. The Bible says as he thought about Jonathan, he was Saul's son. The Bible says Jonathan arose and he went to David into the wood and he strengthened his hand in God. Look, Jonathan knew that he was putting his own life at risk with his own dad. Yet he strengthened David. What a friend that David had in Jonathan. David thought of that, how good God had been to him. In, in chapter 23 of 2 Samuel, the Bible records, David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. David says, Oh, there's, there's, not, there's not any water like that water out of that well. There in Bethlehem. David says, Oh, I wish I had a drink of that. You know, back then they didn't put it in those plastic bottles. David said, boy, I wish I had some of that. All of a sudden, what did David say? What did David ask for? And the Bible says, as David asked that, the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Remember what David did? He didn't drink it. He poured it out. I mean, you think about how they hazarded their lives. You know why? Because they were a friend to David. David was thinking about Jonathan, how God had been good in his life to give him such a good friend, and David's mighty men that had been so faithful and loyal to him. David was also, listen, listen when you look in the Word of God, David was also listed in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. In verse number 32, we see his name mentioned among a list of others. But look at verse 33 there in your notes. The Bible says about David and those others that were mentioned there that through faith, what did they do? They subdued kingdoms and they wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Whoa. David was among those that God memorialized in that great hall of faith. And David was one of those. David began to think about all the goodness of God in his life. And David had a lot to remember. And David had a lot to be thankful for. And can I tell you and I tonight, we too have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot that if we would just stop, and recall it to our minds. You know, I, I talked to Brother Brady the other day. I talked to him this morning before the service. Here's what he said. God's been good. His life partner, she's in heaven now. He said, God's been so good, Pastor. And he has. See, David realized 
that God protects his children and God provides for his children. David remembered some things about God, how God had been so good to him. And and notice also tonight what David resolved. Now go back to the beginning of the psalm, look at verse number one. How the Bible says here that David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be shall continually be in my mouth. I look at these words and I think about how David is resolving, he's making up his mind about this. It's much like, you know, the story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15 about, oftentimes we call it the story of the prodigal son. You know, the story is really about the father. It's not about the son. Now, the son's the one that left and wasted it on riotous living and then came back empty, like many people do that go off into sin. I'm glad for the testimony of a faithful father that was looking down the road when his son decided that he was going to go back to his father. I think about that story, and years ago, as a matter of fact, way back in 1896, a man by the name of Palmer Hartzell actually was looking at, reading Luke 15, that story, and he wrote these words, I am resolved to follow my Savior, faithful and true each day, Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. That song that that Hartzell wrote was based off of Luke 15. He was resolved that he was going to do what God wanted him to do. And after all that David had been through, David too resolved some things in his life. And I want you to see what David resolved. And here it is in verse number one. He resolved that he was going to bless the Lord. Now, when he says, I'm going to bless the Lord, look at verse 1 again. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David was saying that that I'm going to praise God. I'm going to be thankful for his mercies. I'm going to be thankful for his goodness. And he was going to praise the Lord at all times. Not just in the good times. He says, during every situation of life, I'm going to praise God publicly and I'm going to praise God privately and he says I'm going to praise God when things are going prosperously and I'm going to praise God when there's adversity in my life and he says I'm going to praise God when I have safety and I'm going to praise God when I'm in danger and he says I'm going to praise God when I have joy in my heart and he says I'm going to praise God even when I have sorrow. David says I'm going to praise God at all times. You see, God should always be the object of our adoration. God should always be the object of our praise. David said God's praise would continually. Think about that. We might not be saying some of those foul emissions and the negative things that we say if God's praise is continually in our mouths. There's no room, there's no space for all of that other stuff because God's praise is continually. David says, that's what I'm going to do. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, and my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Hey, listen, I'm not going to waste my time talking about things that don't matter. I'm not going to waste my time talking about all the negative news and all the things that people are saying and people are hearing. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, my wife and I, I, mean, I, I, I'll just say this. Now, when, when we were thinking about going into the revival and we were thinking, okay, Lord, uh, what is it that you would have us to do? And we both decided we were going to take a media pass. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. We still haven't gone back to the news. And we aren't missing it. There's a real negativism to the news right now. And yet many Christians go from ABC to NBC to CBS to CNN. It's garbage. It's not good news. You want some good news? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The gospel is good news. 
But we fill ourselves up and then we wonder why God's praise is not continually in our mouths and on our tongues. David says, I'm going to bless the Lord. See, the child of God should be constantly praising God. That means in the storm as well as in the sunshine. That means in the darkest of night when a tragedy comes as well as in the brightest days of prosperity, we should be resolved to bless the Lord. Hey, listen, if anybody understood this, it was Job. Every time I read that book of the Bible, man, I get convicted. Job said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, listen to these words, yet will I trust in him and will maintain mine own ways before him. What a testimony. Job says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what David did. I'm going to bless the Lord. See, we ought to bless the Lord, but David also resolved that he was going to boast in the Lord. Boy, you get around some people, you know who they talk about their favorite person? Me, myself, and I. Everything is about them. I mean, that's all they want to talk about is what they've done, what they've accomplished. Hey, when's the last time we talked about Jesus to someone? When's the last time we talked about the goodness of God? Look, David, after all he had been through, you know what David says? He says, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. The word boast here refers to reflecting on what had brought the most pleasure in David's life. And when David looked back over his life, it wasn't the wealth that he had. It wasn't the mighty strength that David had. It wasn't the rank or the position that David had acquired in society. It wasn't what he had accomplished, what he had gained in life, all his accolades. David's joy came from the fact that he had a God and that God was his God. That's what David rejoiced in. David says, listen, I'm going to boast in God. You know why? Because David valued God the most above everything. The Bible tells us that he might have the preeminence. David says, I'm going to boast and brag on God. I'm going to talk about God. Jeremiah said, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. The Bible says in Psalm 20, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're going to magnify God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 17, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Psalm 44, in God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. See, when David is talking here and he mentions in verse number two, look at the verse again. He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Now look at this phrase. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Now watch this. Here's, here's David. David is blessing the Lord. The only thing in his mouth is praising God. And then David decides, hey, listen, I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm not going to talk about me. I'm not going to talk about all those that I've slain. I'm not going to talk about my great kingdom and all the wealth that I have and the strength that I have and the influence that I have. David says, I'm going to boast in the Lord. And then he says this, and the humble shall hear thereof. What do people hear coming out of our mouths? Because the word humble here is, he's talking about those that may be poor and unfortunate, maybe those that have been afflicted. And if you're like me, and just like David, look, I can relate. Anybody else ever been afflicted? Anybody else ever been through a trial? David says, look, while I'm going through this, not, not after I've come out of it and everything is good again and i got money in the bank. David says, while I'm going through this, he says, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to boast in the Lord. And he says, those that are also going through something in their life, just like I'm going through, I want them to hear. I want them to see that, listen, no matter what happens like Job, that I'm just going to keep blessing the Lord and I'm going to keep boasting in the Lord. He says, the humble shall hear it. 
They're going to hear his testimony about how good God is. And not only will they hear it, but they're going to be glad. Hey, you know what that means? That as we go through it, that if we continue to bless God, we continue to boast God or magnify the Lord this year, you know what God can use us to do to encourage someone else that's going through something. See, David's testimony, it would help others to find the deliverance in God that he had found. David says, I'm going to bless the Lord. He was resolved to do that. He says, I'm going to boast in the Lord. But then I want you to notice in verse number three, look at the verse. We saw it this morning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I really believe what David is saying here is David says, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to boast in the Lord. But he's also saying, I'm going to boost the Lord. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I can to, to support God and the work of God. I'm going to do all I can to promote the kingdom of God. I'm going to do what I can to advance the work of God. And I thought to myself in this new year and for our anniversary for 71 years, what is it as a church and as Christians today that you and I can do? Because David says, look, he says, I'm going to magnify the Lord. And he says, he's calling us in. He's inviting us. Look, he says, I want to magnify the Lord at all times. And I want you along with me to exalt his name forever together with me. And so how can we do this? One way we can do it is through the preaching of the word of God. Now, I know that this is something that a lot of people don't like because they just want somebody that got on skinny pants and got a little table in front of him and maybe just read one verse and then just have dialogue with people. But the Bible says to preach the Word of God. And the Bible tells us that we need to hear the Word of God. You know why? Because as the Word of God goes forward, God uses His Word. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Around here, we make much out of the preached Word of God. And the Bible tells us that we need the preaching of the Word of God. Preaching is the engine that pulls the train, that helps the church. When I think about all the services that we've already had that we'll have this year, they're going to be centered around the preaching of the Word of God. I think about revival meetings that we've had and special days and conferences that we'll have this year that are on our church calendar, how this year through the preaching we're going to magnify the Lord. Well, how are we going to do it? We're going to do it through magnifying the Savior. We're going to do it through magnifying service to the Lord and through our stewardship and through the sacrifice, not only of the Lord, but the sacrifice that we made. We're going to magnify the Lord through the scriptures and we're going to magnify the Lord through the sovereignty that he has in our lives. We're going to magnify the spirit of God this year. We're going to, we're going to point people to the Holy Spirit. We're going to magnify the saints. Hey, listen, Paul did it as he wrote to those. He said, listen, these people have been a blessing to me. When I look around this auditorium, Every one of you are a blessing to me, and we're going to magnify the Lord as we talk about the saints. We're going to lift up soul winning. People say, well, listen, do we really still do that in 2021? Well, the God's word has not changed, folks. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. A lot of churches, a lot of Christians have given up on soul winning. The Bible tells us as we think about this matter of winning souls, look, we can't win somebody to Christ But God wants us to go, and every time I go, God does his work, and we're going to magnify him through our sending, and I think about our church and the mission's emphasis here, we're going to magnify the Lord in so many ways this year through the preaching of the word of God, but we're also going to magnify the Lord through the teaching. Teaching is different than preaching. We find both in the word of God. Teaching is explaining the word of God. But yet preaching is proclaiming, it's heralding the word of God. Each one, God has a place. And I think about ways that we will see teaching and receive teaching. The connection groups that we're going to have on Wednesday nights. That's nothing new. We're just moving into a different day. And again, you don't see in the Bible where it has to be on Sunday morning at 930. And yet if you say, well, we're going to move it to Wednesday nights, people are like, that's a sacred cow. In whose life? In whose book? God says that we need to receive the teaching of the Word of God, and there will be opportunities, and I'm praying that God will use the teaching of the Word of God so that we might see lives enhanced and people grow in the Lord. Uh, There will be opportunities for teaching and men's meetings, and we'll have some here, we'll have some away, and I'm hoping and praying that some of you men 
will join us and, and be in those meetings and go to the meetings that we go to. There will be ladies' meetings. There's one this coming Saturday. Ladies, listen, don't miss these opportunities that are just for the ladies of our church. And if you know somebody, invite them to come. Even if they're not a member of our church, they're welcome to come. And I think about these opportunities to have the teaching of the Word of God. Couples retreat. Brother Brady, 68 years. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's arrived when it comes to marriage. Say, I've been married 50, 55 years. Well, good, I'm glad you have. Praise God for that. But again, every one of us need to come under the teaching of the Word of God because the Word of God helps us. As couples, I think not only of the teaching in our connection groups, I think of teaching in discipleship. Why have discipleship? Because it's what the Lord instructed us. The Bible says, go, win, baptize, and teach, Matthew 28. The Bible tells us that that is one of the ministries of the church, is to teach people. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And this year I'm praying and hoping that as God gives us the teaching of the Word of God, I'd love to see 10 or 15 people go through our discipleship program that we're going to have on Wednesday nights. You know why? Because that means that there will be 10 or 15 more people that are more grounded in the Word of God after this year than were at the beginning of this year. And we need the teaching of the Word of God. We need the preaching. Another way that we can support and advance the work of God is through serving. Talked this morning about ministry involvement. Hey, listen, folks. Roll up your sleeves. Say, God, where can I serve you in this church and be a part of it? Teamwork makes the dream work. Everybody can serve somewhere. Jesus said, you have not chosen me. I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And folks, look, I don't know about you. I don't like sitting on the bench. I always wanted to get in the game. I mean, I know those chairs are comfortable. That's the problem. You know, maybe we should go back to the unpadded pews might get a few more people to get involved in ministry that's one of the biggest dangers of christians we get comfortable you know so and so this happened or whatever hey look serve god get off the bench serve the lord be a part of ministry hey i think about the work day coming up praise the lord some folks signed up in the worksheet the workday sheet is out there on the table say listen pastor i can come i can be a part of that i might only be able to be here for an hour we'll come for an hour i remember brother david mills he's in heaven now he's probably up there right now going let him have it preacher but david mills would come on work day he couldn't do anything because of his health you know what he did he walked around and handed water bottles out praise god for that ministry it helped me get through a couple hours of work because somebody was bringing me, like those mighty men brought David, a, a cool, fresh drink of water. But we can find a place to serve God, be a part of the ministry opportunities. We talked about them this morning. The choir. Listen, I'm going to tell you, did you enjoy those men tonight? That's a blessing. I was looking around, seeing some of you going, hey, he can sing. Hey, he can carry a tune. I mean, they even let Yvonne in here, you know? I love the choir. I love our choir. And, and, and you know, I, I love to hear them sing, and, and there'll be t opportunities for special music and music on special days. I think about Easter and how we'll have a great crowd and God will bless. But listen, the music is something that prepares the heart for the Word of God, and, and not only Easter, but Christmas. And I'm, I'm praying this year, and brother, I haven't told this Brother Kenny yet, that God will give us eight new choir members. Now, part of that is because we're going to two services. Some folks may not be able to sing at both of those services. We're going to need some people to sing at 9. We're going to need some people to sing at 1030. Why? Because people are watching. People need to be blessed. People need to be encouraged as we praise God. And you can find a place to serve in our choir. So you say, hey, listen, Brother Kenny, can I sing in the choir? Hey, look, he can help you. You know, and if you can't sing at all, just lip sync it. All right? Never mind. But the choir, another thing is uh, you can find a place to serve in the nursery, and I mentioned this this morning, but what a ministry to care for those little ones while others are having an opportunity to hear the Word of God. <clears throat> I think about the nursery and how it gives parents a, a chance to be in the services, and I'm praying that at least, at least, besides the ladies that have already said, I'll work in the nursery, I'm praying God will give us 10 more it could be all ladies, it could be husbands. And why? We had one lady today that said uh, she has a, a teenage daughter. She said, can my daughter work in there too? Absolutely. 
There's opportunity for you ladies and maybe even some of you husbands to work with your wives in the nursery. I think about ushers, and I love the fact that ushers assist people as they come into the services. They help them find a seat. Uh, We'll get back to taking uh, the offerings here soon, but we need probably at least six more ushers because we're going to the two services. Hey, listen, pass the offering plates and, and, and stand in an aisle and help people find a seat. But some of you ought to just say, hey, listen, I'll usher and see Brother Kenny, see Brother Guy. I think about hospitality. Hey folks, one of the greatest things you can do is if you have the gift of hospitality is to stand either inside the foyer here or stand right outside the door and put a smile on your face and just say to people, hey, welcome, glad, glad you're here today. I'm glad you came. You know, ask them what their name is. You know, let, let's, let's get out of our little shell, you know, where we come in and we just sit down and we're in our own little world. Hey, listen. Jesus spent his time on earth ministering to people, talk to people, and get to know people, and we need more people, and I'm praying that God would give us maybe at least four, if not more people that would say, hey, I'll be a part of greeting people as they come in. I think about our media team, and these guys have done a great job, but we need more. I mean, here they are, they're in there, some of them are in there almost every service. If you have any ability, any skills when it comes to something like that, please see Brother Kenny and say, hey, listen, could you use me? We could use at least a couple more folks in there. I think about the the buckets and bows and cleaning the inside of the building. Again, we had a couple ladies that said, hey, I'd like to do that. You might say, well, listen, I don't mind wiping things down, cleaning windows, vacuuming the floor. Hey, even if you can't do it for long, come up for whenever you can. We're here all week. We'll let you in. We'll even give you the vacuum cleaner. You know, now we probably won't show you how to use it, but you can come in and use it. I think about landscaping, and again, I know that a lot of times it's outside, it's hot, you're sweaty, but again, this is an opportunity for us to beautify the grounds, and th- these are all places of ministry that you and I can get involved in that we can serve this year. I think of another way that we can support the work of God is through our witnessing. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. We ought to be passionate. Do you care that people are dying and going to a Christless eternity? Every Christian, listen to this, is not asked by God, is commanded by God to be a witness. Can you imagine what this world would be like if every Christian was a witness for the Lord? And and, and look, I'm not here to, to, to cause guilt. I'm just here to share the word of God. But I know this, our church... 71 years ago was built on soul winning. Pastor George Zemer that started this church 71 years ago in North Miami was a soul winner. They had a daycare and and people came to drop their kids off and Pastor Zemer would get their name and he'd go over and talk to them. He'd go to their house. He'd win them to Christ and the church began to grow. I don't know about you, but I like to see the church growing. I really believe that's the heartbeat of God is to see more people reach, more people saved. That's why we're doing the two services. And we need to understand that soul winning is Christ's last command and it ought to be our first priority. Years ago, Dr. Curtis Hudson, who's been in heaven now for many, many years, He said the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it's the truth. He says every one of us ought to be going out. And listen, if you can't go on Saturday, let me just challenge you this year. Carry gospel tracts with you. We provide them. We put them out on the table. Take some with you. Now, again, don't, don't leave them in your car and don't throw them in the trash, but carry them with you. And when you go somewhere, look, even if people don't want them, just give it to them anyway. Can I give you some good news? People are looking for good news. That's all they hear is bad things. And so here, give them an opportunity to read something good. We've got the, the beautiful tracks that we just had done. And carry them with you. Give them out. Our goal this year and, and every year for the last couple of years, well, minus last year, we were, we were knocking on close to 20,000 doors, somewhere between 17 and 18,000. I'd love to see our church, more people get involved to where we can knock on over 20,000 doors this year. To pastors, is that possible? With God, all things are possible. But it's going to take more of us. It's going to take more, more of us to say, I'll do that 
because that's what God wants. I think of other ways that we can witness. Hey, listen, we don't just have an Easter service and a Christmas service. Those are opportunities for people to come, people to hear the truth, and people's lives to be changed. These are ways that you and I can support and promote and advance the work of God. I think about our vacation Bible school. Hey, what an opportunity for boys and girls to come and hear. They're not going to hear about the Lord in their school system. They're not going to hear about the Lord on the internet. Matter of fact, in all those venues, they're trying to remove God. And yet, Vacation Bible School is an opportunity for boys and girls to hear about how Jesus saves. We have an opportunity. I'll maybe share it next, next week. I mentioned a while back how I had an opportunity to go down and be a part of an ordination for a man that grew up in, in the, the, the Key West and believed in his heart that God was wanting him to go back to Key West with the gospel and start a church. And he called me the other day and he said, Pastor, I'm just calling pastors, Christians, churches, and asking if anybody would come down. He says, We're, we've set aside two weekends, the last weekend of January, the first weekend in February. He says, there's 10,000 people on the island of Key West. And he says, I've made 10,000 door hangers. And he says, we want to get them all out because our first service is on February the 7th. I'm hoping we could take either a van or two vans. But there's going to be some sacrifice because it's a four-hour drive. Which means we may have to leave here at 6 o'clock in the morning. But you can sleep all the way down to Key West. All right? But again, you have to say, well, that's, that's something that God could use, certainly. We may never see the fruit of that, but God will bless us for being a part of that. And we have an opportunity to encourage a brother that's starting a church. And, and I love how God's going to give us some opportunities. That may be one of many. I think about this year, even with our witnessing, and I would have never thought about this, but I think about how God has allowed us to add cameras and computers and all the, and look, that, that media room is not something that I thought about, not something that I had on my mind, but I think about how God's using that, how people, not only in this area, but people around the world are watching our service. Some may be watching right now. And I think about how God is using our live stream and we're reaching more people now than we have before. I, I'm still a firm believer, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but nothing will replace assembling ourselves together, but some folks can't. And so we have that opportunity, I think, again, about Saturday morning. And I mentioned earlier, we're going to have the time of training at about 9.40, 9.45. Come and be a part of that. Why? Because we want to be witnesses for the Lord. We want to magnify the Lord in our witness. Notice another way that we can help the work of God is through our giving. The Bible says in Acts 20, in verse 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Have you discovered that yet? You can't give to a greater cause than the work of God. What a blessing. I mean, the eternal dividends. Listen to this. This year, and I say this to the glory of God, this year our church gave $336,927.82 to the work of God. What a blessing. I mean, I think about how God will bless the faithfulness of God's people and how every penny of that, listen, that wasn't set aside, that wasn't put in some, that went to the work of God. And look, that we don't have uh, some, some, uh, somebody that's maybe taken a 10%. Everything that comes in goes to the work of God. I think about missions and how, how we give to missions around here. Everything begins with the gospel. That's what missions is all about in 2020. Our church added seven brand new missionaries. We added missionary to Vietnam, one to South Africa, one to Botswana, one to Japan, one to that country called Miami, Florida, one to Chile, and one to Nigeria. And I'd love to see our church add at least four more brand new missionaries in the year 2021. You say, Pastor, how many missionaries do you want our church to support? That's, that's up to the Lord. It's whatever God wants. But see, again, all of it hinges on God's people the faith of God's people, but I'd love to see us be able to do that. I think about this past year, 2020, Bible Baptist Church, listen to this, gave to missions $72,041.35. That's amazing. That's God. 
that our church, the size of our church, $72,000, I think about not only missions as far as we give, but I think about some of the building projects, and our building now is, is over 20 years old, and I love this piece of property, but I'm going to tell you something. You have to realize, if you don't already, you can't just ignore things that are going on, things that are wrong, things that are happening as buildings continue to get older, and I think about how we had and started, and then COVID hit. We had a building fund. Some of you have given to that. We received uh, up to last year about $12,600, and that money was put towards what, what I'm calling phase one. Phase one was uh, completed in the year 2020, and that phase one was a total of $35,495.77. So the $12,600 fell way short of what we did. You say, Pastor, what did we do? We put a brand new water fountain in the foyer. We uh, actually put a brand new sign out front that has the, the church logo on it now. We also uh, had the trees removed that were starting to tear up the curbs, two big trees on our property, and we had the entire parking lot. How many of you like the parking lot? It's way nicer now, and it's, it's not dangerous the way it was before. I'm so glad that we had it resurfaced. Now, I will tell you this, if you've ever dealt with the city of Pembroke Pines, it was one permit, one this, one that. We have to add this. We have to do this. And I'm all about doing things legal and by code and so on. But our, our parking lot, the estimate that we had, which was a solid figure because after the city began to dip into it, it was double. So our 18000 went to almost 36000 But it's all done. That was phase one. All of that is done. Phase two, a lot of times you don't think about this. How many of you would like to sit here in this auditorium during the services and have water dripping on your head while the preaching's going on? Put your hand down. You wouldn't like that. You've already been baptized. This roof that's right over the main auditorium needs to be replaced. It's just a little figure, sixty to $70,000. Again, it's going to have to be God's people. You say, Pastor, I don't know how we can do that. Well, I just think that as we magnify the Lord, God will help us. God will provide. David realized that. God provided for him. God will provide for us. We have to understand that this is God's house. And again, we need to replace this roof. And it, look, it may not happen in 21, but we can start now. You can say, I want to start giving towards that. I know that many of you are already sacrificing, giving to missions, but you ought to ask God, God, what can I do? There may be some extra money God provides for you, and we're going to have this raise the roof campaign, and there, there's going to be some things in the days ahead, and that thermometer, I'd love to see that red just continue to go up and up and up to where we can get the roof replaced on this auditorium. And then there's a phase three to our building projects, and that is those bathrooms that are right across the foyer. They're in desperate need of being remodeled. We were actually talking about doing that before this roof began to leak the way it does. Those bathrooms are about fifty to 60000 And so again, this is something that, that's not as pressing as this roof. The bathrooms are functioning, but these are things that in the future we're going to need to do. And all of these and so many others are, are ways that we as a church can continue to, to support the work of God, to continue to do as David did and, and just ask God to work. And when you look at this psalm and you go back, look at verse number two again. David said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. David's inviting those that have gone through similar experiences, maybe like some of you who are saying, well, pastor, you just don't understand how things are right now. I may not, but God does. God's the one that can provide. God's the one that can protect his people. And I see how David here was promoting the Lord to other people. And David was inviting those to exalt him, exalt God for the goodness in his life. And these people, just like David, they have experienced some trials. They had common trials but guess what? David said, we can also have common joys. We can rejoice in what God is doing because as we magnify the Lord, I said this morning, what are we going to do? We're going to make God great. Listen to these verses, Psalm 70, verse 4. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. Hebrews 13, 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to 
God, giving thanks to his name. David wanted everyone to understand the greatness of God, have a real sense of God's greatness. The Bible says in 2 Samuel, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Psalm 86, Thou art great and doest wondrous things, thou art God alone. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. David in Psalm 34, you know what he's doing, folks? David is inviting us to do what he was doing, magnifying the Lord, lifting up the Lord, lifting up the name of God, magnifying his name above all other things. David says, look, I am trying to make my great God known. I don't know about you this year, but that's what I want to do. I want to magnify the Lord. And I want you to magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's stand this evening with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You listen to David, all that he had been through. And I was thinking about many of you as God was tugging at my heart about this message. And I was thinking about what some of you have been through in this last year. Some of you have been through recently, still going through some things. Do you know that those are just opportunities for you to say to other people, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman happy that trust in him. The piano begins to play tonight. I wonder if you'd come to the altar and just say, Lord, I'm so glad that I've tasted and I've seen you might want to come tonight and say, God, forgive me because I've forgotten. I haven't remembered your goodness in my life. I, I only remember it from time to time. You know, it's easy to lose our focus. And here we are on a Sunday night, if you're joining us by way of live stream. Why don't you just make where you are a, an altar tonight? David's sitting in the cave of Adullam. And even though he doesn't have what he did in the palace, David said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise is going to be in my mouth continually. I'm going to boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know what I think, David, his spirit, his attitude, I think it was contagious. And you know, if you go through life, you get up tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday. We always kind of dread the beginning of the week. But if you get up tomorrow and say, I don't know what's going to happen today, but good or bad, I'm going to praise God continually. I'm going to boast in the Lord. And people around you are going to go, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. How can he or she be going through what they're going through and still have such joy? Folks, how are we going to get through this year? Magnify the Lord. Let's exalt his name together.